This is the Horse Radio Network. This is a combined episode of the Stable Scoop Radio Show, the Eventing Radio Show, and the 2010 Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Rolex Chatter with all the Horse Radio Network hosts. We thank all our sponsors for their support of the shows. Please give them a try. Also, thank you to Gina Miles, Clayton Fredericks, and Karen O'Connor for helping us with our daily coverage. Helena B. I'm Samantha Clark. And I'm Chris Stebbin. And this is Glenn the Geek, and you are listening to the Eventing Radio Show, the 2010 Radio Show, and the Stable Scoop Radio Show, all in one. This is a real mishmash, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first time, actually, in the history of Horse Radio Network that we've had all the hosts together at once. And you two get to share a microphone. I know, and we're feeling really cozy over here, and Helene need, and I. We need a title for the show. Is this the wine and cheese This is the wine episode? and cheese episode. That's so right. This cheese is and wine? Cheese and wine. Cheese oh, okay, episode. yeah, I think we've all had a little, too, so we'll warn you about that. And I can say I'm the only one that's drinking water tonight, so I can't take responsibility for my co-hosts. <laughs> That's the official disclaimer. Well, the real reason we're doing this show is, is a review of Rolex. We had such a good time. We were all there. And Helena came down, really, for your first time to Kentucky, let alone Ever. Rolex. Yeah. Yeah. I got on a plane for this. This was a big deal. Big deal. This so, was a very big deal for me. Come a little closer. So um, tell us a little bit about what you think about Kentucky. I love it. I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought coming to the middle of America would be like the middle of America. But um, it is... It's very welcoming. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, it's very horsey. I mean, you, you know, when you leave a very horsey part of the country and you come to another very horsey part of the country, you feel right at home. So uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. And being at Rolex was beyond amazing. It was, it was, like, it was like going to a rock. It, it's the horse version of Hollywood, you know? Were you surprised? I know you said to me earlier that you are a closet Anglophile, and were you surprised how many English and Irish people you saw at Rolex? Yes, I was. You know what? I was surprised at how many English and Irish people were in Kentucky. Rolex, um, because it's such an elite event, because it's such at the top of the sport, it didn't surprise me that it attracted people from all over the world. Um, I guess, I don't know, maybe it's because I, I don't know that much about my own country, about, the, the, about Kentucky. But too long in Boston. I ha- and New York. <laughs> New York yeah, yeah, you know, we have a very narrow view of the world. Um, but, you know, in, in, coming from the Northeast, we do have a lot of people. We have a very diverse community. Um, so the English and the Irish people were, I, I love it. I mean, I just... You yeah. said something, too, about the accents that you found down here weren't real Southern. You really liked the accent that is here in Kentucky. Yeah, and like the English accent, I think it's, it's very elegant. It, they, some accents just make the English language sound worse than it can be. And the, the Kentucky um, accent was, was just it's very, it's very elegant, it's very smooth, like maybe bourbon. <laughs> if I drank bourbon. <laughs> she just had some Kentucky bourbon ale. I think that might have something to do with it. <laughs> Well, Glenn, I think you should explain why we're all sitting around the same table to do this wrap-up show, because we've, we've been covering Rolex every day um, of the actual competition. Uh, so you thought it would be a good idea if we all got together, since we're all in the same town, 
Um, and uh, we, this show could run over the three shows this episode. So this is good for the Eventing Radio Show, for the Stable Scoop, and for the um, 2010 Radio Show. So it's it's a miscellaneous show, would you say? Yes, and the reason I thought it would be good is we have all the hosts of all the different shows here, and I'm actually trying to kill time as I'm looking an email up on my BlackBerry that I wanted to read to you guys that you haven't heard yet. <laughs> And I thought we'd start the show with this. We got an email. We encourage emails from everybody. We love to hear from our, our listeners around the world. We had the best time, Samantha and I. You know, we were stuck, really, in the media tent for four straight days for, what, 10 hours a day. Uh, but it was so much fun because we, we were conversing with people literally from around the world in the live chat that we did uh, for, for this, when the Cover It Live that we did. We introduced a whole lot of people that had new technology Cover It Live, first of all. And it was just so neat. The coolest part of the four days was that 50% of the audience, according to our poll, was with us the whole four days. They were, and we had over 500 people in that chat room every day, and they were all watching the live feed. They paid for the live feed, but they wanted to chat with somebody. They were sitting at home or sitting in their office, and they wanted somebody to talk to about what they were seeing. And that's what, wouldn't you say that's why they were there? Absolutely. I think that's what makes eventing great. Everyone wants to share their passion for it and talk about it and discuss it. Like you said, like discuss what they're seeing and, and talk about it. And, and we were there, and we were able to have that forum for them. It was terrific. It was well, it so much fun you, to be a part of it. Yeah, I mean, there's a wonderful community spirit with eventing that you won't find with every discipline, Glenn. And, you know, I've, I've, I've been accustomed to this for so long now. And, and as Sam says, you, you, you absolutely get it. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I haven't been drinking. <laughs> you absolutely get it in eventing. And it doesn't surprise me that they wanted to all come into this one room and compare notes and chat about it. Um, you know, you, you might get a little bit in dressage, um, not so much in, in, in any of the other disciplines. So it's really, it's quite, it's quite interesting. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what the stats look like for the show and for the podcast, which we did every day. Well, I can, I can tell you that in the four days, we were 10 times our normal four-day download numbers. Wow. We were in the thousands of downloads for those four days, which is 10 times what we normally do. It, so I'm waiting for this email, Glenn. All right. Yeah. So we got this email today, and, and it, was, it was just so nice. This is from Jean, and she doesn't say where she's from. She says, thank you so much for the wonderful Rolex coverage. I wasn't able to go and found your podcasts were on iTunes. So she found us through iTunes. She didn't even find the website. I could imagine the sun on my face and the smell of the horse park as you described every day. Thanks for making my working day bearable. I look forward to listening to more eventing coverage. That's great. It's good uh, to know that somebody was listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, that's the reason I wanted, at the start of every show, we talked a little bit about what we were seeing and what we were experiencing and that we were recording that show overlooking the cross-country course, and it was so beautiful and so wonderful out. And, Samantha, you did a great job in the live coverage of really setting the mood and telling the story, and I think... I think that's what makes really our shows work is we tell a story. Uh, you know, you can listen to shows that are just dry and, and just, you know, rattle off statistics and give you facts. But the difference with our shows and what we try and do in a horse radio network is tell a story. 
And I think that's what really, that's what, what our passion is, and that's what really makes it work. And well, I think we did. We had so much fun that um, we couldn't help it. Right. <laughs> and we weren't drinking during Rolex. No, <laughs> well, it, it proved, you know, that's the way to engage an audience is to tell the whole story, you know, the start, middle, and the end. And uh, I think you really proved it with this. And now we have to wonder where are we going to ne- go next with it? Well, I think that, you know, what we've been doing all along here is we've been listening to our listeners. We've been following them. We've been whatever they wanted is what we did. We started those chats on Wednesday or Thursday and ended them in a totally different way by Sunday. We followed what the listeners wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, we had our idea of what, right, that, what yes. they would want, but we changed that. Well, what did they want? What, what were they asking? What kinds of feedback and input and questions were you getting from listeners on Cover It Live? They, they asked some questions, and then on Saturday we ran into some trouble. We started trying to cover everything, but with the time delay, it was very hard to get it out there. So we were going to try and um, shut it down, and then we opened it as a chat room, and then basically they did the reporting for us. They were watching it live, and they did it for us, and we just kept it open as a chat room, and, and they, they loved it. One of the things that we did do is we took a lot of pictures and we every day, and we put the pictures up. So they could get a feel from the pictures of what we were seeing and what we were experiencing. So we didn't have video to do that because we weren't allowed to have video to do that. But we did it through pictures. And you know what? I think sometimes a still picture is still more dramatic than a video. You know, it can can capture something really that a video can't in many ways. And that's why there's still still photographers in the world is is that, that there are image certain images that just capture you. You know, and, and I think that that was part of what happened there. Well, one of the other things that we wanted to do is make sure our listeners realize that how much we do listen to them. And, and we said at the end of the last show, Glenn, that, that in the horse park, when we were doing the wrap-up on Sunday, that we want to hear from our listeners because they are very much guiding where we're going. And uh, I think the coverage that we've done this past week, of course, it's innovative. No one else has done it to the extent that we've done it. And since it's the first time, we really need to hear back from them what they actually want from us now and in all aspects of our coverage and, and, and not just from the events but also the weekly shows that we do. So, you know, that, that's an important component to the success and building our audience. And that's true of all the shows. You know, the Stable Scoop show and the WAG show that we do, the 2010 radio show, we, we want to hear from people. We want to hear, and we do. We're starting to hear from people now. And we've really been doing this now for six months. Uh, we started Stable Scoop. We're on episode 38-ish or something like that. Uh, I have to look every time because I've pretty much lost count. And pretty soon, I have to figure this out, we're going to be at the 100th episode on Horse Radio Network, if you combine all the shows. That's 100 episodes of, of, of fun that, that, are, that are out there. And I'm proud of it. You know, I hope you guys are. You know, too, it's, I think we provide that hub. When you're excited and when you're passionate about something, no matter what the discipline is, I think the passion unites people. And you need an outlet because we're so spread out. We're all over the country. We're all over the world. And uh, the Horse Radio Network gives folks a place to come and check in and to share that excitement and to get feedback and... You know, that's the beauty of technology and the Internet is that it's, it bridges the gap, the, the geographic gap that we might otherwise feel. Well, that's true, too. And I was, I was 
pleasantly surprised at the, at the people that were actually listening to us, Glenn. I didn't share this with you, but in, uh, during Rolex, a number of uh, friends, colleagues, from officials to media, um, and a few, several officials actually, and organizers, show event organizers, um, people that are involved with the sport um, administratively or, or, or in any capacity, how many of them were listening? How many of them were downloading those podcasts and listening to them on road? And uh, I was pleasantly surprised, I must say, and I, you know, because I would ask them, have you heard of the Eventing Radio Show? And, oh, yes, I listen to it. I download the podcast every week and I listen to them when I'm driving to events and, and, and not just the riders, but, you know, officials and administrators. So that's encouraging because we are getting across you know, the whole spectrum uh, of the eventing world. And Glenn the, Ge- Glenn the Geek got recognised several times. Oh, yes, for my voice, oh, of all things. God. I would be waiting in line someplace. And, and they would come up and say, and I would talk to the person next to me, and somebody behind me would say, are you Glenn the Geek? And I'd say, how do you know? And they'd go, I recognise your voice. So I, I must be either out there too much, or I have a really weird voice. Yeah, I'm not there's sure not enough room in, in his room for a head. <laughs> I have groupies, he said. He came home from Do I had groupies. I said, I'm getting on a plane back to Boston. There's not enough room for me and Glenn's head. It is fun. I mean, it is fun. You know what, too? Stable Scoop, we get to do so... What's fun about Stable Scoop is we just don't do one discipline or one subject or one topic. We get to pick anything in the horse world we want to pick. And we had one of the best interviews that has ever been... Throw out all the well, don't throw them out. Uh, but you know, take take out uh, all the professional riders we've done and everything. One of the coolest interviews that you know what I'm talking about too. We did a couple weeks ago on the Morgan episode. It was a seven year old girl who had won the writing prize for the Morgan Association, and she was the sweetest interview we have ever had on Norris Radio Network. She, you were listening to that interview, and I, I got some emails on it. It wanted to you wanted to melt your heart. Because she was so sharp, so clear, it was just amazing. She was an amazing and, interview, and she was appreciative. She, this was a kid <clears throat> who got it, who who won a horse. She won a Morgan horse, and at her age, she she understood what it meant to win a horse, to work for a horse, to bring a new horse home. What it meant to her life, her mother's life. Um, it, it's just that's the next generation of horse lover. You know, it was... And you'll appreciate oh, this, Chris. She actually did a video as a call-in talk show where she was the host. That's how she ended up winning it. Was she yeah. in fourth grade? She's in fourth grade. fourth grade. And she actually had questions from the callers, and she would answer the questions from the callers about Morgan's. And that was the whole concept of the, the thing. And she w- she did this whole video with this tall and talk show. Well, maybe I should hire her. Hire her the media. <laughs> um, the other thing good. I think we should we, we should mention, and and I hope we mentioned it enough during Rolex, Glenn, was the support we got from the Pony Club kids. Yes. They were just fabulous. They We had different uh, Pony Clubbers each day calling in with their report. Uh, I, you know that was so much fun to do, and we undoubtedly will do it again because you know it really was so much fun and, and to hear those different uh, perspectives and a, and a perspective that you know none of us you know as as grown ups um, you know would have been able to convey. It was uh, I think it was lighthearted. It gave us a little bit of contrast in the show, and I know they enjoyed it. Yes, they had a good time, and 
I think that well, I'm going to give them all a call tomorrow and, and thank them because their reports were great. They were concise. They were, you know, they mm. were good. They gave you a feel for what they were experiencing. I don't know if you got to listen to all of them, Chris. Some but, of them. Yeah. And uh, the, the last girl there on the last day, and, and we'll have all the names here for you by the end of the show today, but the, she she just did a very good – she loved watching the stadium, and, and she, you know, she just loved every part of that. And I thought some of them really took took it upon themselves to do a little report of the competition too. I thought, well, you and I could be, you know, just be redundant here. <laughs> <laughs> they were pretty good. I listened to their reports, and they were actually. Did you? Yeah, yeah. they were enjoyable to listen to. Yeah. They knew it. They they did their homework. Yeah, I thought that that was well done. And, they, and you know, again, to your point, Helena, they were passionate about it. You know, there was so there was so much enthusiasm there for the sport and. They really got into it. Well, let's give their names here. We had Shalice Everly of Big Walnut Creek Pony Club in the Heartland region. We had Michelle Mercier, who said that that's not the way she pronounces it, but I can't remember. Sorry, Michelle. <laughs> that's the French way. In the heart of Illinois Pony Club, Hunter Oaks PC Riding Center. And then we had the Attached at the Hip duo of Whitney Abraham and Catherine Abrams. And they're from the Sinking Creek Pony Club. And I have to say, when they first called me, I thought it was the Stinking Creek Pony Club. And I said, that can't be right. It just doesn't sound right for a pony club. But they did a great job. They did the Saturday uh, cross-country day report. Yeah, the 200. And then we had Max uh, McNamee, who did Sunday's uh, wrap-up of the whole Who Won, and she did a great job with that. And she was from the Black Oaks Pony Club. And we just thank you all. We thank the Pony Club for, for putting that together. Uh, Mary over there at the Pony Club really did a good job of notifying all the chapters around the country and all the clubs and, and getting volunteers. And we had a lot of volunteers, and we're sorry for the ones that we couldn't use. We could only use so many, uh, but maybe next year we'll be able to use more of them. And, you know, another thing I noticed, Glenn, uh, during Rolex was how many more people were following us on Twitter? Both Horse Radio and, and myself personally did. I know um, our, our professional Twitter tweeter here, Samantha, um, you, you probably got a lot more followers that during those four days, did you, Sam? Yes, I, and I think they're all going to be pretty disappointed now. As yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to say for myself since Rolex. <laughs> and you are the fastest typer on an iPhone I've ever seen. iPhones are not easy to type on in the first place. Yep. And you book on that uh, on that iPhone. I yeah. think she was rehearsing, you know, when, when she knew she'd got the gig at Rolex. She's been doing her homework. Well, I do want to, we're going to take a short break here to, uh, to, to acknowledge one of our sponsors, and we thank them for being part of all the shows as well. And we're going to be back to talk a little bit about the new stadium, the new digs at uh, Rolex and, and the Kentucky Horse Park, and what we think is ahead for the World Equestrian Games. Thanks to Equestrian Collections for their support of the Eventing Radio Show. Equestrian Collections brings the whole universe of equestrian shopping right to your fingertips. Every day they have the widest selection around with over $100 million of products for you to choose from. They are big eventing supporters with their four-star eventing e-catalog right on their website at equestriancollections.com. And they have a complete line of tack and clothing for eventers and have a fantastic Rolex offer for you. If you place an order on the website by the end of April, by April 30th, and use the coupon code ROLEX, you will get $10 off a $120 order or more. 
So that's $10 off a $120 order by using the coupon code ROLEX by the end of April. The good people at Equestrian Collections go above and beyond to be your equestrian store of choice. Visit Equestrian Collections at equestriancollections.com. Well, we're back from the commercials, and for the sake of the World Equestrian Games listeners of the 2010 radio show, I'd love to hear everybody's opinions of what they think of the park, the new stadium, how the show went, and really, you know, this isn't an, wasn't an official test event for the World Equestrian Games, but it was a test event. I mean, well, it, it definitely was. It wasn't the official official one for any of the disciplines, um, <laughs> but it was for the systems, the logistics, Glenn. They, they tested the security, catering, hospitality. Um, they used a several and um, several different vendors, new vendors that they have not used before for the for the regular Rolex, and these were. Uh, brought into play to see who would be most suitable for for WEG. Uh, so there was some competition there, and uh, things looked very different in the in the uh, hospitality area for sure. And and in terms of the layout uh, of the park and and the parking lots, and there was there were several things that were new and different that were being tested for WEG. Yeah, I know that parking. They were parking people. Anybody that's been there over on the far side of the. Most people ended up parking on the far side of the campground. And if I had one comment, I would say that the, 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 they were using golf cart shuttles, and there weren't enough of them. That's the one comment and the complaint I did hear, and people did have to walk that entire distance. Many people had to walk that entire distance. So bigger shuttles, I think, is something they'll be looking at in the future. And not just for the long-distance parking, also for the short-distance parking. They were using individuals. Instead of, you know, getting, you know, the ones that they use. The long the back, trains, the yeah. The lot at, at University right. or something like right. that. That's the kind of shuttles they need. So. Right. Um, if anyone, Rolex, is listening to us today, can we put out a plea for longer shuttles, for the public yes. uh, next year. And the media, too. Uh, no. <laughs> well, no, definitely for the media, but we have another, we have another um, yeah. agenda. So, Samantha, what did you think of how everything went, and what do you think the prospects are for WEG next year? I thought it went well. I thought the stadium especially was oh, a yeah. big you, success. I know, I Helena. She actually sat in the stadium for all of uh, the last day. So I what did you think? Beautiful. You had a lot of comments. It was... Um, I was very impressed, and I'm a hard person to impress. Um the um, first of all, I paid an extra ten dollars to sit under the shade and, and stadium, and that was very, very well worth $10 it. Ten dollars well spent. It was very well spent, but I'd have to say I don't think there was a bad seat in those stadiums. the The view was fabulous. The seats were stacked um, just high enough. Each row was high enough so that the, the row in front of you didn't get in your way. Um, you said the seats weren't real smashed in like some stadiums either. No, they weren't super luxurious, but they were rather comfortable for stadium seating. Um, you know, getting up and down access was easy. Um, if you, uh, it was just, and, and it fit a lot of people, and it didn't feel uh, overcrowded. But most of all, I thought the view, it was very hard to get a bad seat in that stadium. That was well planned out. Well, and she took some pictures from her seat, and she was high enough in that stadium that she saw over the bleachers. She was on the north side, so she saw over the bleachers on the the smaller bleachers. She had a view of the lake and all of the park in front of her. She was over the trees, and you could see the entire park. It was that was a cool view. Yeah, and yeah. you could see I could saw every jump in the in the stadium course. Um, every jump, so you didn't miss anything. You know, there was a there's a, a pole, a support pole. Um, maybe that cut off a corner of a standard, 
But um, other than that, there was nothing to complain about in terms of the view. The restrooms were great. Um, it was the access, the airflow was fabulous. So you just, if you're sitting up there and there's any breeze at all, you, you'll stay comfortable. Um, yeah, I, I thought that the stadium was well done. Yeah, and from, the, from yeah. the riders' point of view, I think they all loved it too. They said the footing was great and the... The riders in the press conference said they attributed the good rounds to the footing. They said the horses love jumping on it. And I think I spoke to a couple of riders after they walked the course, and they said although the course walked a little bit easier than last year, at the press conference they said that was the footing, that it, it jumped so well because the horses were just loving the going. Well, and of course, as we know, there were only three riders in the press conference, and I talked to a whole bunch more that I was uh, interviewing for Equestrian Life video, and uh, and to a man or a woman, every one of them were complimentary about the footing, and it gave them the the base to you know to give them a really good jumping base, which uh, you know they they can't get on a grass footing, obviously like Badminton and Burley and Poe and Lamoulin and all the other four stars, and indeed many of the three stars in Europe because they're not on all weather footing. Well, so for for the benefit of those in the United States that haven't followed the the European events. Even the the stadium and all of that is on is on grass. Yes, and most okay. of them are, are are not in a permanent facility. This is unusual for them to have a permanent facility here in this country. Um, in Europe, you wouldn't have a permanent facility. It would be um, a grass park, uh, parkland of uh, historic housing, uh, and so that that <clears throat> makes a big difference. You're you're moving into a temporary facility, and. And, and therefore you can't have a permanent uh, footing like we have here, an all-weather footing. You simply you cannot do that. It, and uh, one of the things, I talked to Hugh Thomas, who's the director of Badminton. He was over here visiting, and uh, he said that, the, that that's the one thing he did envy, the Kentucky Horse Park, uh, was the wonderful you know, all-weather footing that we have here um, because he's in uh, you know, Parkland and so too are... Burley and Bramham and Blenheim and many of the you know the three three and four star and then then the lower star uh, competitions in Europe and on the mainland, so it is very unusual to to have that permanent facility and you know and as all the riders will tell you it gives everybody the same playing playing field you're on a consistent level literally level playing field um, and and that gives the horses so much confidence I mean it's one thing in dressage. But it's another thing when you're leaving the ground and, and to give all the horses that kind of security that they're, they're actually jumping on, on a good surface uh, makes all the difference in the world. And that, of course, contributed to a lot of the clear rounds. There were many more clear rounds than, than often you'd see in the top 15 or 20 at, at that level. And a lot more nice rounds. I mean, a, few, a lot of them had the last rail where I'm lucky to have that down, but a lot of lovely riding, a lot of lovely rounds. It was nice. It was a nice day to watch. It really, it really was. All the all the conditions were in their favour. And uh, if anyone wants to see that course, they can go to uh, Equestrian Life. I did actually a course walk with the course designer Richard Jeffrey, um, and that will give you a perspective of the course. We, we, you know, we did we did very thoroughly every every fence and. Uh, to the, to the extent that Richard described the, the depth of, of the cups on different fences. and So I think uh, for anyone who wants a, a little lesson in course walking, um, <clears throat> that would be an interesting video for them. That was very popular. Actually, I think it was quite a long one in, because we walked the whole thing. I think it was about 40 Yeah, minutes. your videographer wasn't very happy about that one. <laughs> <laughs> he was complaining about editing that one down. Wait, 45 minutes and to do a, a stadium Yeah, he was pretty walk? thorough. <laughs> 
yeah, we, we were very thorough. Yeah. Melina, did you notice how beautiful the jumps are all after different farms, famous Lexington horse farms? I did. And Churchill Downs. And I did, because I read the program. Well, <laughs> I read the program. Girl. And, uh, yeah, they were actually, they were very, I love the, uh, the Churchill Downs uh, jump. That looked very inviting, and that seemed like a good way to start off. I would be interested to hear... Um, and then maybe we can get Richard Richard to come on in a future show. But I know that he designs the um, the stadium courses for for one show in particular is the Fidelity Investments Jump on Classic, which is held in the Boston area every year. Um, and I know that the riders always rave about his courses. I'd be interested to hear how he designs an eventing stadium course versus a show well, jumping course. He does speak to that in this video um, that we did at the weekend um, because he is both an event course designer and, and a show jumping course designer right up to the highest level. Um, so, so yeah, take a look at that, and I encourage anyone else who's, who's curious, Elaine, to, to go take a look at that because he speaks to the very point you, you're, you, you mentioned. Well, let's take another break. This will be the last break we take, but we're going to come back and talk about cross-country. There were a couple almost humor. There were... There was one sad thing, but there were a couple of humorous things that happened on Cross Country Day, too. Not humorous at the time, but I think he would agree they were humorous now. So uh, we'll come back in a moment and uh, talk about Cross Country Day. Business owners know that now is the time to get the word out about what you have to offer the equestrian world at a price you can afford. The Horse Radio Network offers you that opportunity. It is affordable advertising that really works. When advertising on our shows, you are reaching the truly engaged, involved horse person who is passionate about horses and their respective disciplines. Contact Glenn DeGeek today at Glenn with two N's, that's G-L-E-N-N, at horseradionetwork.com for more information about effective, affordable advertising on the most popular radio network for horse lovers in the world, the Horse Radio Network. Right, and we're back, and we're going to talk about the cross-country at Rolex. And we did talk briefly on our wrap-up day that there were some lost shoes. I did find out that William Fox Pitt lost a left front shoe on Navigator, and he said that he was veering to the left before he got to the Normandy Bank, which he said explains why he then had a run-out at the triple brush after the Normandy Bank. What do you think about that? He had a flat tire. He had a flat tire. Oh, okay. What do you think about that, Chris? Well, there were a few of them with with, uh, flat tires, I'm afraid, you know, not... Uh, maybe more than usual actually I mean the ground got pretty firm although they'd had rain at the beginning of the week by the time cross country came around on Saturday um, it had firmed up considerably you know they were really on top of the ground so from that perspective no I wasn't too surprised that there were were shoes being thrown but there were unusually a lot Stephen Bradley I believe lost two Stephen Bradley lost two Philip Dutton lost one and although the going was pretty good, there were a few places when you crossed over into the park and went over the road, and a couple of places it was a little bit rough. Yeah, well, of course, they put that surface down on the on top of the tarmac uh, for the road crossings, and, you know, I know Mick Costello, who heads the, uh, the crew, the ground crew there, um, you know, he comes along on Saturday morning with his front loader, and, and uh, he'll tip a whole lot of dirt, and, but, but, but the problem is, I, in my view because um, we do this at other events, it's put in such a place there is still traffic going over it by the, before the cross-country starts. So it's rough on those crossings, and it's been driven on by all kinds of traffic before we even start uh, with horses on the course. Now, if you go to somewhere like Badminton or Burley or Bramham or 
Blenheim or anywhere where we have to cross a road, we make sure that surface is has not been driven on to this extent. Uh, so it's loose. Traffic. It's loose. It's loose, oh, yeah. and it moves. Mm. It moves. And, and the places where you cross in the infield into the park, little places like that through the hedges. That was a little rough too, but yes. on the whole the pudding was pretty good. Yes, and you also have to consider that those hedge cuttings, of course, there's some roots there and underneath. Not much, but it is a rougher, it is a rough crossing and uh, it could be in those spots that, that they were throwing shoes. Well, Helena, this was your actual first time to see a four-star cross-country course, so tell us your impressions of the four-star cross-country. It was um, it was a lot like like I said before being in Hollywood and seeing some of your favorite movie stars um, up close and personal. I think the thing that was the most surprising to me was the speed at which the horses ran the cross country course and the sheer height and breadth of those jumps. Seeing them on television does not do them justice. Um, and I, I mean, yeah, the speed. I, you know, I, <laughs> seeing some of these horses coming around these turns <laughs> at warp speed, um, you know, and then jumps that you thought were really scary were rode so beautifully and so rhythmically. That was sort of a learning experience. I don't know which one it was, um, and maybe you experienced adventures can tell me, but I think it was it was a bank jump I was 25 to, it was 25 number 25 yeah, and, and, well I know that one because we took all those pictures but it was a bank up to the jump and yeah. when you stood on the downside of it it looked enormous it was really scary really I walked did. up and said oh my god but, but nobody and, had any trouble with it and, you know? and they all rode no. it so beautifully and the horses just ears perked right forward it was like they saw that jump and were thought well, I can do this. I couldn't climb over it if I wanted to. <laughs> it was you know? up to my shoulders. It was up to yeah. my shoulders. Yeah, because they look at them and they they read them. These horses, they read the fences so quickly. They read. They knew in that in that instance, like fence twenty five, that they didn't have to jump the whole thing. They knew they were jumping onto a bank, because at that level they know where they're going. They know the kind of questions they're being asked. So they knew that all they had to do was pop up onto the bank. And then the pop over the over the and and over the rail on the top, which was actually quite small on the top there. But that is very typical of an, an you know of how clever these horses are reading what's put in front of them. And you'll notice on some of the lines, some very acute angles from very, a lot of skinners, the horses and the combinations they read him so quickly. Is that is four feet the minimum? Is that the minimum they can go? What is the some of those skinnies look pretty darn skinny. Yeah, they they can. I I don't know if there's a minimum on how skinny they can go. I think that's a discretion of the uh, of the course designer. That one they that do was get, really skinny. They are I... getting very very skinny. The sunken road was very skinny coming out of there, and it and it speaks to how technical the courses have become and how it's all about the accuracy of the line when you're going through a combination. And you know you can point and shoot with a good horse. Um, you know they'll read it right off the bat, and uh, and and uh, you know off they go. But you know, if, it, if it's a younger horse, less experienced horse, he'll get there and he'll say, okay, where do you want me to go? And that's down to the rider's experience and is keeping that line and, and making sure they stay absolutely focused on the direction they're going. And, and they'll know, the riders will know exactly to the blade of grass where they're going to take off because they, write, read, they, they walk the course sort of three or four, five times even. Whereas, you know, just to remind those listeners who are not familiar with the sport, the horse doesn't get to see it before he goes out on the course, but the rider does. 
And also the really good riders like Lucinda are so good at making snap decisions, like when she jumped too big into the head of the lake and had to make a quick decision to do a circle and take the other route. Well, actually, it's funny you should say that, Sam, because she would say she's not good at those quick decisions. And I said, well, in this case, you did a good job. She did a very good job. She would say that she's not good at changing changing her mind real quickly and reacting on it, but I think she did a superb job. And that really, interestingly, she took two long routes. Um, And she still came in under time. She still came in under time, which is something she hasn't done before, which is interesting with that mare. One of those long ways was, was by choice. Uh, on the sunken road, but the lake, of course, was not by choice, and that was just uh, Sam says that was. A, she landed in. She realised she lost her knitting. I mean, she just lost her knitting. Was, Oops! Now I've got to do something about this, and 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 she responded very quickly to it. Well, and then the the the, the wild thing that happened that day was the dog biting Buck's horse, which, the, you know, Nigel's the announcer there, and we had Nigel on the eventing radio show, and, and he's a nice guy, and, you know, we just had him on the show, and he's a very good announcer, and he's been there for 100 years. And Nigel kept saying all day long, do not let your dogs loose. And there must have been a million dogs there that day. There were dogs everywhere. Were, for that heat, I thought there were way too many dogs. Mm. And uh, you know that they say in the news business, you know, uh, dog bites man is not news. Man bites dog is news. In this case, d- dog beaten bites Horse. On the course while the in the course. middle of cross country. Buck was coming around the turn there. I forget between which jump. Towards but the sunken road. Towards, towards the sunken road. And that dog just ran out. And actually, we didn't realize it until the press conference. Actually bit him in the hind the, leg. The, 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 the hock. Yeah. The and while he was going at about 90 miles an hour, clipping down there, and, and Buck had to avoid him. Buck, i got to give Buck credit. He avoided the dog so he wouldn't hurt the dog. You could tell yeah. in the video we were watching, and he said it at the press conference, and he didn't want to kill the dog. And he, he said he had to change his line, and yep. he said it stopped his horse's concentration. And he yeah. did get penalties then, but they did it, take him all back. Did. It, they? they did give him 20 penalties, so that stopped there. But, you know, he protested to the grand jury to the, and, and to the appeals jury, and he won that appeal. And it was pretty clear. I mean, the dog got yeah. his way. I, mean. yeah. I, I, need to, I need to pipe in here because, and Glenn knows this about me, this is a really big pet peeve of mine. Um, I thought the amount of dogs, the number of dogs that were brought to this event was ridiculous. Um, in a lot of cases, it was very selfish. There were, this was no place for people to show off their dogs. I understand not, that. Not at almost 90 degrees. I, I, but it was just, it's, it was, it's a four-star event. There's a lot going on. Uh, there are, there, these are athletes who needed concentration. And as a spectator, I just, I think it's, it's important for you to have respect for the venue and the athletes and to understand that bringing your pet is a distraction it's a distraction to you because then you can't be a courteous spectator um it's a distraction to the athletes to the and they they're lovely and i nobody well, loves animals yeah. more than i, I think. yeah you have dogs and cats and you know, all that stuff and i think great bring them it's you know it, Except for the Lexington Humane Society, who was very respectfully showing off the dogs who were available for adoption in all the right places, I just don't think it's a good idea to bring your dog to an event like this. Well, of course, it's an, it, it's something that in Europe, particularly in England, uh, there are just tons of dogs. Really? It, you know, I mean, it's it's you take your kids, you take your dogs, and it, it, it is a really big deal. However, there are not so many dogs that get off the leash in England right. as they do. They had several here. They had several here. Yeah. And, and I'm going to put a shout-out for Nigel. While he's a, a friend of mine, there was some comments, Nigel, if you're listening, um, that his light-hearted quip about keeping your children on a leash and your dogs under control 
might have been a little bit too flippant for this particular crowd that they didn't take it seriously enough and they didn't put their dogs and make sure their dogs were on a secure leash. So it's one thing to let your children run around. It's another thing to let a dog run onto the course. Especially with 40,000 people there and and the horses and and a million other dogs. Uh, And we know that there are many of you who are incredibly responsible dog owners and spectator slash dog owners. We know that. But, you know, unfortunately, there's always the few who... um, spoil it for the yeah well it's not the first time and i'm and i'm i venture to say it won't be the last time but i i think we made our point here yeah yep so well, i think one other person who won our hearts was the argentinian rider jose ortelli who who was unluckily spun from the dressage he was um on his second horse and came back and had a great ride on his first horse host aladar rode better and better as the course went on got braver and braver he's a a young, a young man from Argentina, very, very messy looking. When he takes his hat <laughs> off, you feel like he should almost put a hairnet on. He has a little goatee beard, and he's a bit of a wild rider. But um, he, he kept going around that course, getting better and better, and his horse was so brave and so genuine. And he kept encouraging his horse and rewarding his horse and patting his horse. And then when he got to the last double of angled brushes at the end... He didn't quite get his angle right. I know Chris was talking about you have to keep your line and experienced riders know exactly which blade of grass they're going to ride to. And I think he'd forgotten which blade of grass. He was getting a bit excited about the finish line. And the horse was so brave and jumped the very big, almost six-foot part of the brush fence for him. And he put both his hands down and patted him around the neck and hugged him with both his arms and galloped to the finish and made it. He had lots of time faults, but I think he won quite a lot of people over with that ride. That was nice. That was one of the nice moments. Well, I, I wanted to hear from Helene. You know, well, we've talked about the competition. We've done that to death, I think, but uh, the actual competition. But th- there's so much else that happens at Rolex, and a lot of people come just for the shopping even. Did you get a chance to do that? Oh, Marina? she shopped. <laughs> much to her husband's dismay, she shopped. Peter, turn the show off right now. <laughs> I'm about to talk about what I bought. <laughs> Not the least of which is a chestnut thoroughbred. Yeah, that was the other thing Helena did while she was in Kentucky. All right, we're just not going to talk about that. Yes, I did shopping. Um, I did, I did. And it was great. Um, it was, you know, it's a great way to, I think so many of us shop online these days and you see a lot of um, brands and, and products online, but to see and touch and feel them and talk to the uh, the manufacturers representatives and the retailers was was really great and again the, the common thread is the passion people the people here no matter what they're selling we're just so passionate about what they have um, it was is a joy to shop I well I tell a, everybody what you bought okay. the, the the big thing you bought I bought a beautiful tweed hunt coat um, oh I thought you were going to say chestnut gelding well yeah <laughs> he's got a bed out still so we're <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah he was pretty beautiful too. So, yeah, I got a, a gorgeous tweed hunt coat. Not that I have anything to hunt. I'll have to be going out as a guest. But, um, yeah, I got the hunt coat. And it is beautiful. It fit her like a glove. It's like it was tailor-made for her. Yeah. Um, and uh, what else did I get? And of course, I, I did some shopping at the Bit of Britain tent. Uh, I got my daughter some stuff. And um, really, that was the biggest the biggest thing that I got was the... Uh, but it was fun going into the, you know, trying on the Charles Owens helmets and... 
um, looking at the Durdow boots, drooling a little bit. I had to wipe my mouth when I left. Uh, <laughs> and she found, and she didn't share with us till today, she apparently found the best French fry she's ever eaten in the world. And you've promised you would mention this guy on the... Uh, oh. Do you it, remember his name? It was Big Bamboos. Big Bamboos. Big Bamboos. Yeah. And I had to take a picture of the, the, the booth because I said, I'm not going to remember the name. And, um, oh, I was just starving, and I said, just keep whatever you have in, in French fries. And I said, all right, French fries, well, fine. And he said, you're gonna, these are the best French fries ever. I said, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm a New Yorker. You can't get the skeptic out of me. I said, yeah, yeah. But these French fries were fabulous. They were seasoned with something. I don't know what it is, but big bamboos. We'll put a link to it in the show notes if you can find it. But they were the best French fries West of the Mississippi. Are we west of the Mississippi? Here? No, not no quite. Worries. Not right. quite. Yeah. East of the Mississippi. She really then. is disoriented. Yeah, I told you, you take me out of New York or Boston, I don't know what I'm doing. What did you season them with again? I don't know. It was some kind of magic packet. <laughs> but it was good stuff. Well, I can tell you, at, at Rolex, you get everything. You get every kind of shop uh, for, for all the shopping uh, fans. There's some, something for everyone. But there's also, in the, in the, among the food venues, something, some, something for everyone, too. I did get down there, but that that part of the park where all the vendors are, um, you know, it does does cater for every taste. And at one point, um, I saw this friend of mine walking towards me, who's uh, who shall remain nameless, but she's an Olympic silver medalist, and she had a big. <laughs> Is she a United States Olympic silver medalist? <laughs> yes. <laughs> She had this big plate of funnel cake. <laughs> I know who's that. We might have an idea of who you're talking about. Well, she will remain nameless, of course. Uh, but I think uh, I think she was just uh, enjoying every aspect of, of her visit to Rolex, which included the plate of funnel cake. This was my this was my first time in the media tent, and I I really liked having the seven TVs to watch with all the different <laughs> angles. That was the Samantha did too. I know yeah. you like that. Uh, I definitely enjoyed that. Yeah, beat trying to see it on my computer at home. Yeah, last year, <laughs> or, through, or through the crowds at cross country. Yeah, well, it, you know, it, it's uh, for, for uh, as you know, I'm a bit of a seasoned old hag at this, and and I know there's many of us who you know, especially when I was doing print uh, around the world where we had so many screens to to watch. We would actually sit in the press centre because we had uh, had a far better uh, view of what was going on than if we'd have been on any one part of the course because we could only be in one place at one, any one time. Um, and so many of us would just sit in front of, and, and actually do better coverage. But, of course, we wouldn't tell our readers that. You know, they think we were out slogging around in the mud and, you know, and living it and feeling it and breathing it. But we actually were sitting in the cosy confines of the press office watching from, you know, 17 screens. Well, I, I have to give a shout-out to a, a friend I made up at the finish line, actually, of cross-country, and that was a state trooper who was up there. And I ended up spending about a half an hour speaking with him And because nobody ever talks to the policemen that stand around. They just stand around bored to death. <laughs> and I, w- I went over and talked to him, and we ended up having the most wonderful conversation, and I learned about his family and where he was from in Kentucky. But he did tell me you know, a little bit about that this definitely was, uh, for the security aspect of the World Equestrian Games, this was a test. They had a lot of people there. And he, I, I'm not going to say it, but he, you know, he told me a little bit about what was going to happen for WAG or for security for WAG. They really are taking this seriously. They're really p- oh, yeah. planning for it and preparing for it. And I think from that aspect, 
the police were there. They were very cordial. They were very friendly. I saw policemen driving people around in golf carts and getting people from one place to another. And it just, you did get the impression that they were there to help the thing run smoothly this well, time. Well, they were upping the game this year, Glenn, to your point, because a lot of it was uh, increasing the operations for preparing for WEG. And, you know, in the past, we've had the participation of the state troopers and the Lexington Fayette uh, Urban Police Department and also uh, the Kentucky Horse Park Police. But this year, all of them were, were actually sinking their operations a lot more in preparation for the World Equestrian Games. And, and those of you who walk around the park will notice that the uh, Lexington Police Department has the mounted unit. Uh, I'm very proud to say when you talk to the state troopers, my friends are in the mounted unit because I used to train them. And, and there were some of the officers out there that come every year. And, of course, they carry the, the flag bearers on the final day in the arena too. Uh, but they play a very important part, part in the uh, in the police operations in the horse park, and they will do during WEG. There'll be more mounted officers in the park during WEG, which is going to be fun. And not least of all, we need that we need them on on bikes, on, on in cars, on, on on horseback, because uh, during WEG, of course, we'll have a lot more dignitaries than ever that we get uh, for any one single event here. I mean, Rolex, we get more dignitaries at Rolex than we do at any other event in the horse park. But for the World Equestrian Games we will get national and international dignitaries, and so it does increase the police operation. And people are getting excited about WEG. I know the British team are already putting out feelers about looking for houses to stay in and, and getting ready for it. It's, it's getting That's right, yeah, and, and extensively, close. because a lot, of the te- a lot of the teams do like to, you know, do, do prefer to go into a private housing situation than in a, in a hotel, and they do that with a lot of major championships around the world with WEGs, Olympic Games, and so on, where they're a team of, where there are teams, and the same with the media. You well, know, because the there'll be so many of them. If you think of all the teams yeah. and all the support crew. All right, well, we, we are plain running out of time. No! No, yeah, we're <laughs> no. plain running out of time. Same However, you know, already. I always throw Chris off with something at the end of the show that she go, she looks at me funny. Oh, so funny. we're, we're just going to throw another one in here. According to my mother-in-law, and judging by the pictures she took with my camera, you know where I'm going with this, the Most Handsome Rider Award goes to none other than William Fox Pitt. There must have been 25 pictures of William Fox Pitt on my camera <laughs> in every pose and angle. And what I do have to say, he does pose. Uh, he, he does strike a nice pose in his complete regalia when he's all dressed up. Well, you know why she got the most photographs of him, don't you? Because he's the easiest to photograph because he's the tallest. Yeah, he's about 12 foot him. tall, yeah. <laughs> you can't He's a very distinct but profile. coming up for the title from a lot of the comments we got is um, young Tim Lips from Netherland. Yes. Oh, he had a huge young following. Yeah. Yes. yes. So William might have to might have to be careful. And it's yeah. it's funny because Tim's exact opposite of William height wise. Yes. Yes. He's he's a much shorter. Yeah. No, there's a complete contrast there. But Tim has a huge following and of fans. Okay. And of course, after the cross country, the kids were to? just loving him and following after him. Um, but and he he I, I must say there's one talk about a sporting uh, comment. Mm. I don't know if you noticed this, Sam, that. Uh, after the show jumping, uh, no, sorry, I beg your pardon. After the cross country, I was talking to Lucinda, and we were wrapped up. We were wrapping up the interview, and she put a shout out for Tim, and she said, you know, she wanted really to mention what a great round he had, what a great weekend he'd had so far, you know, with his dressage, and then going cross country for a relatively inexperienced. He's only 23, 
So I thought that was very sporting of, of uh, Lucinda to mention him, and I think he's, uh, he's picked up quite a lot of fans this weekend. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, the whole weekend, everyone was so helpful to each other and so friendly. It, it, I mean, eventing's just wonderful like that's that. The great, that's the great camaraderie we have, absolutely. I, I, think, um, I think it is important for us to recognize and uh, to offer our deepest condolences to Mike Winter um, and the entire Wayfair eventing team over the loss of Kingpin. Um, I'm sure many of you may have heard that Kingpin um, passed away uh, while on course, and uh, we just want to offer our condolences and um, and wish the Winters the very best in, in moving past such a such a tough loss. Yeah, well, Billy thank you. Horse. Yeah, thank you. We did that already at the weekend, and uh, I hope hopefully our Regular listeners will have heard that from all of us now, that uh, it's one of those things that happens in and, sport that nobody wants to hear about. And you did talk to Mike this morning, and he is doing okay. He's a little stiff and sore. Um, he's, he's feeling better. Um, you know, it's it's hard. Um, it, it's really hard, you know. It's, they're not just machines, and you, you know... You know that. You all know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we all feel it. I think the whole of the eventing community, too, as, as Sam said earlier, it's a wonderful community, this eventing community, and we all rally around and support one another. So we all feel this, and, uh, you know, our best wishes to, to Mike and family. But I think we're coming to the end of the yes, show. Yes, we are. Yeah. We've uh, talked for an hour, and it's, uh, we appreciate everybody listening. We'll be back uh, just to put some plugs in here. The Stable Scoop Show will be back again next week with another new topic and a, a fun conversation. Helena will be back in Boston, and uh, I'll be here in Lexington. And then we got the 2010 radio show that uh, will be back again next week. And, and I, I want to mention, of course, the Eventing Radio Show. We're moving right along with this. Yes, There's we want no to clarify break. that. We're not There's done. No there is no break for us. <laughs> We're moving right on in to next week. We'll be talking about badminton, the next of the Grand Slam series. Um, that comes up in two weeks' time. So we're going to be talking about our uh, coverage of badminton. And we have a new correspondent in Europe who's going to help us re- by reporting from those big events in Europe. So we're looking forward to Kate Green joining us. Uh, but to start off, we have an interview with uh, Hugh Thomas, the director of Badminton, who was here this weekend, and I took that opportunity to talk to him and talk about his plans for Badminton this year. So right off the bat, we're kicking off um, next week with the next major four-star event in the world, the Badminton Horse Trials. And thank you, Sam, for joining us and for being such a cool part of our Rolex coverage. We appreciate it, and I think the audience did too. Again, you're very welcome. Loved every minute. Thank you. All right, 2010 Radio Show at 2010radioshow.com, the Eventing Radio Show at eventingradio.com, and the Stable Scoop Radio Show at stablescoop.com. Did I mess any of those up? No, you no, got, I got them. You're all good. And not, not forgetting our partners at Equestrian Life, and we thank them for their video coverage of, of this event and, and our partnership uh, with them. So, we're, again, we appreciate equestrianlife.com. You can go and check out those videos, equestrianlife.com. And we'll be back next week on the Horse Radio Network.